everyone and welcome to killer bees podcast episode eight today we have a special birthday guest the man the myth the legend mr socks man and 108 himself darren brown welcome aboard thank you it's my pleasure to join you guys so we have three killer bees in the house today and we're also joined by the delightful keelan blue as always and we even are on video again for you. So check that out. It's a big um, night. A big special It night. is. It is a big night. You know, um, the Sox have been playing really well. Um, some would say in spite of a certain Hall of Fame person. But they're still winning. Let's get excited about that. They swept a doubleheader yesterday. Um, if you're a Bears fan, it was also a very special night because there's actually like a draft where I didn't feel like episodes of anxiety and depression, and I'm not <laughs> used to that. So that was very exciting to you. And even today, the uh, Sox are doing pretty well against Shane Bieber, um, who a lot of people were afraid of facing, but they're hanging tight right now. The score is four to three, but, um, I actually feel pretty good about the Sox chances today. How are you guys feeling about the Sox um, lately? Guest goes first. Well, I think it's been nice to see. I think they've been pretty unlucky the first part of the season. It's good to see guys like Moncada and Robert kind of turn things around from when they were getting some slumps early, but a lot of it was from bad luck, and a lot of people kind of doubted them early, especially on Twitter. But it's still... Early in the season, even now, it's still fairly early. So hopefully, I'm thinking we'll see guys like even Grandall who will start to pick up the pace like those other two guys. And I think it's just up from here. Yeah, I agree. Um, It seems like everybody is kind of finding their groove. And it's still been early this whole time. So I personally haven't, you know, there's obviously games where I'm like, that did not go well. But I haven't (laughs) invested too many uh, feelings into anything. I will say the uh, first game in the Detroit series this week was one where I was like, okay, well, there are things that are, there are patterns that we probably should look at making sure we pay attention to and change. And some of those are even continuing today, like leaving uh, runners on the base, like are happening right now in this game. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so some of those patterns and then obviously with the other, the first game against Detroit, um, you know, Giolito was left in for a while and he was not doing well. And that's not the first time that's happened either. So, yeah. So hopefully those things will be really focused on and continue to be looked at to improve. Absolutely. Um, I, I think there's a reason for optimism too, with some of the Sox players um, coming on the mend. Um, Ingles should be back uh, pretty soon. So that'll be nice. Um, I never thought I would say that in a million years, (laughs) but here we are. Um, And, you know, it's, I think the weirdest thing for me is just how it's basically only half of the Sox lineup that's hitting. And, It's very reminiscent of last year where it's just like you have this black hole at the bottom of the lineup where 
you don't really have anybody, no matter who you plug in, kind of picking up the the rest of the lineup and picking up the guys when Abreu's having an off night or uh, Robert needs to take a rest or anything like that. There There isn't that level of depth yet, and I don't know if... That's something that will get addressed this season. Um, I, I would imagine if Tony LaRusa complains about it, something will happen. But otherwise, I just don't know what will be done to kind of help shore up some of those pieces. But that, that's the only thing that's kind of been a area of concern, I would say. Yeah. Um, Darren, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, going back to the game on... Tuesday, I believe, where Giolito was left in. I was at the ballpark for that, and you could tell he was getting frustrated as his pitch count was going up to, you know, 110, 115. It was sort of like, why am I still in the game? And just, <laughs> it, yep. <laughs> when I got to the point of no return, it's just like, okay, well, why why was he in there to get shelled? He couldn't have, he had Hoyer warming up, you know. But And they had an article I saw this morning on baseball prospectus about it kind of, LaRusse is trying to do old school techniques in a modern era game. And so far it's not really meshing that well. So we'll have to see how that plays out the upcoming weeks and see if he tries to change anything. Yeah. I think Tommy brought that up on an earlier podcast um, about how <laughs> we might end up kind of like small balling our way through the season too. So <laughs> yeah, seeing that come out sometimes is interesting, especially in terms of, what are we doing strategy wise? So. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think Larusa will adapt to it. I just, the Giolito situation was really awkward because usually you don't see that happen with your supposed ace. Like that, that's usually the one guy that most all of the coaching staff is kind of has an understanding of what their needs are and where they're at their max or limit. And, you know, Frankly, I thought he was done after, you know, getting out of that previous inning. And it was like, all right, he got out of it. This is good. Let's get some runs for him. And then he could bring in Hoyer and, and move on from there. Um, when they didn't score, I had a feeling that they would bring him back. But I was really hoping that that wouldn't be the case. But that was kind of the point where it's like, all right, he's really struggling. And like you said, Darren, you could tell that he was all right, I've, I've given it my all, and I, I clearly don't have anything left. When are you going to take me out? And it just never happened. It reminded me of the first playoff game when he pitched last year against Oakland, where just kind of the yeah. idea where it's been even then, where it, it would almost be better to play it on the safe side of saying, okay, you need to head out instead of, oh, you're doing well, we'll just leave you in there. It's better to, you know, why not go to the bullpen? It's the eighth inning, we can... You know, just play it safe. Yeah. And also, too, I thought it would, I thought leaving it at the place where he was at was a good confidence booster because, like, not that he needs it, but after everything that happened in Boston, I just thought that was like, okay, nice confidence builder, something to build on. He didn't pitch amazing because he only lasted six innings, but this is something that we can work with. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing to bring up in the context of what you said, Tommy, about him being a, a supposed ace. Um, you know, they're not all going to be winners. And then as we've seen with people who are kind of becoming our aces now, 
there's like not only physical crises but also like confidence like psychological Mm -hmm. crises so I think you made a good point about that um because that Boston game was rough um that That was was bad (laughs) yeah I had it on in the background I was working but I had it on in the background that day and I was like this is just like almost comical it was like Benny Hill music running like (laughs) you know I was like holy crap what am I watching um so yeah uh seeing that you know after him doing that how would you not be affected mentally I mean it's probably better to play it safe in that case I think that's honestly what I was most a little annoyed about um, was that uh, Lance Lynn was injured and then, you know, we don't want Lucas in a bad mental situation. So it's just Mm -hmm. like, what are these decisions with leaving people in like this? I think that was my main beef with that whole game. And even post game too, like I, you know, Tony LaRusa answered in, in typical fashion and yes, he took, responsibility for leaving him in but it almost was phrased in such a way of like oh i thought he'd be able to handle it i guess he couldn't and it was just kind of like (laughs) this is this is an area where it's like you want to build your guy up just a little bit instead of hanging him out to dry yeah and ultimately i think you and i talked about this on the on the side during the game ultimately it's like he can't gilito can't just like Yes, he could ask people to come to him, but you know, I know that's not usually a thing they do unless they're that's really not injured. What right, yeah. exactly. Like he can't pull himself off the mound, and it is kind of, I mean, yes, we're armchair watching it, but it is like, what are you, <laughs> like, what are you thinking there? What is the strategy in this? And that part is interesting and unanswered for a bit. Yeah. I don't know if this would have anything to do with just the way coaches and managers do I think of it similar to Pete Carroll's fourth and goal play call or the goal line play call or just fourth and goal in general where the same thing with taking pitchers out like they did with Blake Snell in the World Series there's so much that would say you know maybe it is the right decision to pass or maybe it is the right decision to take him out because the velocity is going down but if it doesn't work then say like, oh well he was dealing why'd you take him out you know they're they're more afraid to be wrong than they're they are trying to be right yeah um, what did you guys, Tommy, you kind of spoke to this, but what did you guys think about then him being put back in kind of in that scenario as well? Gilito. I didn't think he had it. So I was, I was surprised. Um, I saw it coming only because the Sox didn't score and you had a one run um, lead going into the inning and I could see where maybe you don't want to bring the bullpen in just because they've been, you know, frankly, the the shakiest part of the roster so far. So I, I could understand it from that aspect. But really, after that first at bat, I, I think it was like, OK, that, that that was enough. Like, let, let's take him out and, and get Hoyer in there and move on. Yeah. Darren? I thought it was I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's La Russa, so maybe I wasn't necessarily surprised. But in a vacuum, it's pretty surprising just because, again, his pitch count was above 100, getting towards 110. And, and again, you could tell after the after Moncada didn't get that pop-up, I mean, he was frustrated right there, and you could start to see, okay, I, maybe it's time to take him out. He's getting a little frustrated. But 
you know, then they let it get to the point where they had to take him out. And well, <laughs> could have taken him out before the homer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that couldn't have helped. Um, <laughs> on the opposite side of things, uh, how are you all feeling about uh, Cease and Rodon, and even Kopech? Uh, to a certain extent, on the on the flip side of the rotation, I'm very. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I was very uh, surprised by Kopech just of how well he's done. I'm not surprised that he's done well. I'm surprised that he's done well to this extent. He's first in, you know, a lot of the expected stats as far as pitchers on Statcast and all these other things. And even when he had to make that spot start there, very impressive. And the same thing with. Cease in a shorter sample, just the one start yesterday. And I saw on Twitter a friend of mine, Steven, he showed some stuff on StatCast where it looked like he was changing up his release point on his pitches earlier in the season. You could tell it'd be like, here it's a fastball, here, here it's a slider, or what other way around. And then he's able to get it tighter in that start yesterday. Yep. And it paid off in that complete game. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, same, I feel surprised. Like, I was already confident, a little more confident with um, Ethan Katz on board. And I think now it's kind of crazy to watch that really begin to pay off because I, you know, Rodon came back. That was obviously, Tommy, I believe you and I talked about that in an episode. <laughs> One episode we were like, goodbye. And the next episode we were like, well, he's back. Okay, good. We want good things <laughs> for him, but whatever. And so it's really awesome to see that kind of um, that story, just like redemption in a way for him. And then um, Cease last night was awesome. That was unexpected. I so I hate to admit it, but like internally, I had kind of given up on him a little. Not that I didn't want him to do well, but it's hard. I mean, you guys know it's hard to like watch it happen. So it's really awesome again to kind of see him um do well and he looked like you said Darren he looked so different so it's really cool to see um what I'm sure is Ethan Katz's influence start to really affect everybody and for Rodon it's on point like you said just the redemption from all the kind of talk the last few years and especially all around all sports for a guy like him oh he gets injured all the time is he going to be healthy is he not going to get injured and just being able to brush all that off and he's having a heck of a start to this year it's it's great to see for somebody that heading in as a bottom of the rotation and now they're one of the best pitchers on the team yeah yeah, yeah and absolutely. reliable reliable he's been so yeah. reliable yeah i mean for rodon actually both both i was excited about coming out of spring training uh truth be told and, and rodon especially i saw that evolution because the thing that was the question mark for him is when is he going to learn how to actually pitch because he relied so heavily on that that stuff that he had and after so many injuries you you can't throw that curveball with the same amount of snap you can't have that much velocity on your fastball all the time like you can't be a max effort guy and how are you going to adjust to it and I think under Cooper, he didn't have that voice to kind of help him understand how to be a better pitcher and how to actually pitch. 
And I, it's the same thing that I that I saw from Cease and Flashes that, um, to your point, Darren, it's all about that release point where um, I've been talking with a lot of people who have been frustrated with Cease on, on Twitter and they compare him to, you know, Ronaldo Lopez or Gavin Floyd or some of these other guys. And I'm like, the good thing about Cease is that all of his problems are mechanical. Like, that's that's easy to fix. Like, it, mentally, he's there. He's a gamer. He You never see him give up on an inning or a pitch. Um, but he just, I don't know if it's adrenaline or what, but he tends to be all over the place with his release points. And hitters pick up on it, and they either hit it or they know what's coming and they know to lay off. And that start was one of the first times I, I saw him consistently kind of hit those same points all the way throughout the game. And I, I do think pe- you'll see more of it um, going through through the season. But, um, you know, all that being said, Kopech's been so damn impressive. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more spot starts to kind of help um, give some guys breathers in between uh, starts, especially if they get roughed up. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that as well, because I know um, our Southside Sox colleague, Crystal, a few weeks ago kind of uh, caught some fire because she suggested (laughs) that... um, How dare she? Right, exactly. (laughs) She disturbed the the force of the cease bandwagon. Yeah, she she mentioned like, hey, Kopech should start and not cease. Over cease, yeah. Yeah, which now, I mean, it's a little slightly different idea but there was nothing wrong with that idea when she brought it up and yeah and people (laughs) really got way too upset about it but yeah Yeah. she's right no but to to your point i mean it it was nearing the point where i thought kopech was going to get switched in in place of c's yeah um well he still might too they still might yeah. yeah And I just, I do, I think where my concern with Kopech going into the season is that I was never convinced that he would think of himself as anything other than a starter. And now that he's starting to perform at a level that he's starting games and performing at a very high level, will he start pushing more for that type of role? And how do the White Sox respond to that? Because... Yes, he's on an innings limit, but that doesn't mean that he can't be a spot starter or a six starter, or maybe they throw him in the rotation as the season goes on. Like, that could still happen. But then what do you do with the other guys to kind of help balance that out? Because you still have a need um, for relief guys that can go three or four innings if the shit hits the fan from your starter. I think it'll definitely be a good problem to have if you find Cease gradually improving and then you have to find out, do you want to keep him or do you want to transition right. OPEC into a starting role? It's it's definitely good to have as many good pitchers as you can. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm excited because, you know, if you got good guys that are starting and they're pitching longer into games that makes the bullpen better that shortens the game for you that makes that part of the game easier and then it really does just it boils down to the offense and 
you know, I I do think Grandal will will turn it around. I know I'm one of like four people that feel I that think so way. Too. <laughs> I've never like I've seen everything about it. I'm like he's gonna be fine. I feel like I agree with you, Tommy. So so we just yeah. have to find <laughs> one of the four of the four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's you, me, like Jordan Lazowski, and like maybe another person that's like still like looking at stat cast numbers being like, there's a chance. <laughs> I'll take that company. That's good company. <laughs> um, but I mean, beyond that, it's just I I I do think it comes down to what is Rickon going to do as the season goes on, as the stakes get higher to push the team over the top. And that might come down to how well the prospects do now that uh, minor league baseball is starting this upcoming week. Um, So you, you can look at some of the minor league guys. I know the Sox have been incredibly aggressive with uh, their minor league rosters. You got Jake Berger playing in Charlotte, which I have no idea how that's going to work out, but I wish him the best. Um, And, you have guys like Rutherford and, you know, a lot, Sebi Savala, a lot of other guys that have been kind of fringe prospects that haven't necessarily made a name for themselves, but could also play their way into being viable trade chips for the White Sox, which I think is critical for the second, for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is on that same vein, but I mean, that is one thing that, and I know like we can talk about the lineups all day and I have days too where I'm like, <laughs> damn it. But I do think that has been a, a good thing to see throughout this early part of the season. Like all of these guys, even though we've been talking about, yeah, we don't really have the depth. I feel like we have gotten to a point where we have more depth than we had because they've actually been playing. Some of these newer guys actually have experience. They have numbers so that if they do, even like some of the roster people, if they end up, they'll end up being like good trade pieces mm-hmm. basically. So that's good. Um, but yeah, that with all of the minor leaguers, that'll be super interesting. I, I think the only sure thing is that no matter what, Jake Lamb will always have a roster spot. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, how do you feel about Jake Lamb? I think he knows that Tony LaRusso follows a different porn account than Steve Stone, and he's keeping it quiet in return. <laughs> I don't know, man. I could see them, I could see them being into the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Darren, would you like to share with us your recent few encounters with Steve Stone, the one of the voices of the White Sox on our broadcast? Although the most recent one this morning, um, I was just punching around and saw one of his tweets, and my cursor got over his profile and then said, following 33. I'm like, oh, well, it was 32. I'm actually kind of curious. I'll click on it, and I see... These two ladies in chains holding a whip, and the bio says, like, we like to torture men or something and follow our only family. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. <laughs> I thought I'd share that with the fine folks on Twitter, and it must have made the rounds to 
Mr. Stones ended up getting blocked. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so you didn't tag him or anything. Did anybody like snitch you out or how how do you think? I didn't oh, think I'm sure so. somebody snitched him out. Yeah. I mean, I just assume anything you post about him, it gets to him. I didn't see anybody tag him, but I mean, if he only follows a short amount of people, and including me, and maybe that's how it got to him, he just happened to see it. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. And good detective work. Although, I mean, I, I think I saw, like, he hasn't unfollowed that account. No. That's amazing. I think that's, like, my favorite part of this whole thing, like... Seeing it was like, okay, that's hilarious. But then the fact he's like, I'm not unfollowing this is like, it's amazing. <laughs> I hope he never he's unfollowing. Does. He unfollowed it now because he's down Man. to 31. Damn, Steve. Yeah, so it was a 33. So he unfollowed them and then he blocked me. So it's a 31. <laughs> it's a 31 now. Man. Well, I don't know if this will ever make it to Steve. Probably not. But I think you should follow your heart and your oh, yeah. sexual interests. Yeah, I had somebody uh, in my quote. I didn't know who it was. I think it might was. But, oh, no, I said something to you about king shaming. <laughs> oh, somebody else said that, too. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, that's not what I'm doing. I just thought <laughs> it was kind of interesting. I thought I'd share it with the it was funny. folks on Twitter to see what they thought. I'm like, hey, it was very funny. Whatever consensual things you want to do in the privacy of your own whatever, be my guest. Hey, I yeah. would rather be tortured by them than by the White Sox. So <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. That's how he deals with his pain. He's like, exactly. I, got, <laughs> I need a spanking. <laughs> I, I've been bad. Nobody will spank me. <laughs> anyway, I mean, if you're only following 30-something people, and that's one of the people are entities gonna you follow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I liked that fun fact, and I was really hoping he'd keep following it, but... Damn. It looked like that's what was going to happen. That'd be the biggest F you to me. I, I think he just forgot to switch from his burner account to, you know. <laughs> Is he Al's cheesy beef? Probably, yeah. <laughs> it was him the whole time. Um, didn't they identify? I think they've identified yeah. who. Yeah. Someone named Orlando, thanks to our good friend Carrie of the Sox Twitter. Bureau of Investigation. Yeah, that guy used to have an account, his own account. I remember him mm -hmm. because he would always drop things in the similar way he did as Al's cheesy beef. So I was kind of like, that is very disappointing and boring, but exciting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just did this on your normal account. Yeah, but now he's a food item. <laughs> yeah, a found out food item. Faux food. So, cool. Darren, how many games have you been to? Uh, the one this year that was my first one. I've been to, usually it's been my dad and I, we try to go to at least one a year. And it started out as an alternative to prom because it's very expensive. And I said, hey, I probably wouldn't enjoy that. I'd probably enjoy going to a Sox game more. And it would cost way less. And so, usually our once a year thing is, Stop in Kankakee, get some uh, Bo's Mott's Beefs and a chili dog, and then drive up to the game. So the first one was, I think it was 10 to 1. They It was Giolito versus Keichel. And the one run was a Trace Thompson solo home run. 
Yes. <laughs> the next year was supposed to be around because prime is usually around my birthday too so around this time it got snowed out and the rescheduled game ended up being dylan cease's debut so we got to go to that one oh. and obviously nothing last year and then the one this year and i actually got um our high school coach excuse me he knows i guess a budweiser rep who works with the socks and so he kind of gave me a thank you present for doing PA for three years. Today we got third base seats. Awesome. Or first base seats. That's so I exciting. got to see Giolito versus DeGrom when Giolito was actually good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. He'll be back, nice. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sleep on him. He'll be back. I have faith in him. I'll get aggressive cool about what it. What you brought up about Cease, the mechanics thing, is kind of similar to with Giolito, where it's like, Hey, maybe try stepping closer to first instead of in the middle of the rubber, and then all of a sudden he drops his ERA back. Flicks. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. The most famous one is Randy Johnson and Nolan Ryan. Hey, try stepping on the front of your foot instead of on your heel. All of a sudden, a Hall of Fame career. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, and I think that. Like any sport, you find what like clicks and what finally works, and it's different for different people. And then once you got it, it's like okay, but you still get in slumps. So that's one reason I'm still like, he's got it. And Gilito has all of the pitchers right now are more supported than they have been since they've been with the White Sox. So I feel good for everybody's trajectory right now, especially because we have seen so many kind of under Don Cooper lost cases start yeah. turning it around like crazy <laughs> so i have i am feel pretty calm about that but i do get pissed off when they're put in situations where it's like man they're done they're done just take them off or something's not right so yeah i think it'll keep being good they're in a good place yeah and i don't know if either of you guys saw this but uh there's a really nice uh clip from john smoltz on mlb network where he was talking about uh, guys learning to pitch because he he brought up the fact that all of the college and high school players now they're max effort guys and the minute that they get hurt they they just lose it because they don't know how to pitch they're just so used to just maxing out velocity and relying on that to get by that when you need them to do more they're not capable of doing it and that's where I think Katz has really just been a huge help for the Sox organization because the Sox org, I don't know if they were the first, but it felt like they were one of the more prominent orgs where everything was about velocity and increasing velocity. And, you know, if it wasn't just solely your fastball, the most second, like the most we'll work on on a secondary pitch for you is your cutter. Like that's, that's all we're going to do. And everything had to be, you know, as hard as you possibly can go. And now you have guys that are learning their secondary pitches, learning the feel of their pitches. And it makes me worried sometimes when guys like Crochet are throwing 94 instead of 104. But as long as they are learning how to pitch and work through games and work through tough situations, that, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Crochet stuff is rough. Um... But yeah, just, you're right. I mean, the, and it, not every game, 
you can yeah. throw <laughs> like that. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's not. Yeah. So that'll be t- how long I know Garrett Crochet. He's injured, right? I don't, he's on don't the 10 day IL okay. with a strained back of some sorts, which didn't sound great to me, but it's supposedly minor. Yeah. Well, and I mean, he he gets injured. He's been hurt so. quite a bit, so I'm yeah. just kind of like, can you just stay in one piece for an extended <laughs> period of time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me, not as like, not as in Rodon's way where he came out and it was like he was just expected to be good, but yeah, with his with Crochet's start, um, yeah, it is a little bit like, oh man, be careful, <laughs> be careful. This, with this is the downside of the Chris Sale comparison, where it's like, yeah, you know, Chris Sale was the amazing, but if he once he started getting hurt, like he's been hurt lately. That that doesn't look so good in terms of a tra- uh, career tra- uh, trajectory. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I saw too that this was ho- hopeful in relation, well, to all pitchers, but our guys especially. Um, I think it was for Carlos Rodon, his no hitter. He was like only the second pitcher that had had like Tommy John surgery to ever yep. throw a no hitter, which is insane. But great. <laughs> I mean, that's hopeful. Like <laughs> I was like. That's that's very hopeful um, for those guys and any pitcher that's had it. I mean, unfortunately, I think that will be a more common occurrence just based on how prevalent Tommy John surgery has become. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, kind of the focus on velocity. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to avoid We've that, hit the pit guys. of despair. Yeah. <laughs> We've reached it. Hey, our usual pit of despair discussion, though, often has been depth, but also Adam Eaton. And look at Adam Eaton now. Kind of. Okay, <laughs> I think, oh, he didn't strike out again. I was going to say, he probably has four strikeouts now. But it's it's because he got suspended. <laughs> he got suspended needlessly. I will die on that hill. Yeah, I didn't know he could be suspended for being an asshole. But here we are. He wasn't even the... Come on. There there was no reason for him to get up and try to fight somebody just because he got knocked off the base. <laughs> He's small. <laughs> <It was> ridiculous. <laughs> he has to be tough. He's not Nick Madrigal, though. Like, that's something I would expect from him, where it's like, okay, calm down, Sparky. Like, go. Oh, <laughs> we talked about this, this red ass. Yeah. They both got it. They both they have both... the red ass factor. Yeah. They do. Now, that yeah. was a fun day going after Cleveland fans on Twitter. It's the whole point. Oh, he didn't. He wasn't trying to push him off the bag. It doesn't matter if he was <laughs> trying to. He did. Yeah, that's why I'm like, whatever. I would have gotten mad. Too. <laughs> I, I mean, also, he's a professional athlete. They have control over their bodies to the extent that man knocked him off on purpose. And that's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's called gamesmanship. Just own it. Like, you know, it's the same thing as not moving your foot out of the way and then being like, oh, I didn't know that Rodon was throwing a perfect game. I just, I just. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, you know, own it. That was supremely. I was at I was at the no hitter game, which was awesome. And that I almost lost it 
Because I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Everyone knows, you liar. (laughs) We all know. It wasn't a fastball either. I mean, that was such a slow pitch. He had all the time in the world to move, and he just was like, oh, yep, that hit my toe. All right, I'm going to take my base now. (laughs) Yeah. I will say that didn't, I don't really have a problem with that as much as a lot of people did. Just because, I mean, still in the grand scheme of things, your goal is to win the game. And if you're getting on base, that helps people win. I mean, it wasn't like it was close to the inside part of the plate and he just kind of did that. I mean, he it hit his foot, so that meant it had to be off the plate fairly. <laughs> it was off by a, a substantial <laughs> amount. <laughs> and he still yeah. got the no-hitter, so he still got to celebrate with the still team. got the accolades. Yeah. But it wasn't perfect, so... <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, my brother, though, texted me and was like, well, that's cool you saw a no-hitter, but, you know, it could have been a perfect game. I was like, shut up. <laughs> okay, isn't your brother a Tigers fan? Yes, my brother is a Tigers fan. And okay, you should just replay. I can't remember the pitcher's name now, but the one that got robbed of a perfect game because of a bad call at first. I should do that. Oh, I also God don't know right. who it is. Yes, who is thank you. First name. But... Is it Andre Scholar? No. That's the Rockies guy. That's the Rockies guy. Armando Galarraga. There we go. Yeah, I can do that. Actually, no, not now. Because he, my brother will like, he uses the moment. So I'm, I'll have to like store it. and then So wait. save it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, during this uh, last game, I'm looking at my texts. Um, he was like uh, saying shit to me. And I was like, and you know that like we talked about that was a very very bad game for us um especially because it was a bad game for detroit <laughs> they, yeah. like, they started the bad game and we were like yeah and of course we like <laughs> fucked up at the end of the Shut game the bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i was like this is very predictable at this point um and somebody, somebody even called it they were like why do i have a feeling we're going to blow this at the end um but yeah so throughout the whole series he was kind of we're he will trash talk at the worst times um but he did acknowledge he was like wow this got ugly and i was like i know (laughs) (laughs) it's very annoying but wondering after that giolito game if a team had ever won when committing five errors man i don't know that would be interesting actually i I don't think so Because I think they even, um, in the broadcast, they had brought up that it was the most errors a victorious team had facing the White Sox since, (sighs) like, the early Brewers days. Because it was when Jose Valentin was on the Brewers. So this would be, like, late 90s Brewers, where they had four errors and still beat the White Sox. And they had all the errors fairly early in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Before the, before or during the fifth, something like that. They were all pretty early in the game. They were pretty early on, but I mean, there were a couple of other plays where they probably could have called them errors as well. So, yeah, that, that was that was rough. Yeah, that was like I mentioned earlier. I think for me, that was the first game this season. Like the Boston game was bad, but I was like, something's just this is just an off game. That was just a bad game. Yeah. Right. Right. And it was like a weird time, like a ton of things can can do that. But that game, I was like, all right, there's patterns. 
please can we stop doing <laughs> these things <laughs> because they're hurting hurting us and me personally <laughs> now yeah. that that being said speaking of division rivals do you guys think that the royals are a legit threat to the white Sox for the no. Okay, Darren's already saying no. <laughs> this, this was an argument on Twitter a few days ago with a certain Royals fan. But I, yeah, I didn't know Royals fans existed, so I never <laughs> have that argument on Twitter. <laughs> I can check here now. I don't know if it's been different, but as far as their weighted runs created plus the X foot minus, the C, they're all below average. They are. As far as batting, starters, and relievers. And I just don't see them doing anything. I mean, they're going to slump at some point here, and they'll fall back down three or four, and we'll never have to talk about them after, <laughs> June, hopefully. Well, I mean, I hope... Oh, go ahead, Keelan. Sorry. Haven't the White Sox had, like, a, a similar start before, too, where it was like, oh, yeah, we're doing good, and then, yeah, you fall off in, like, June or... Something. 2016. 2016. Yeah. yeah. That was a fun year. <laughs> <laughs> it's great at the beginning and then pain all the way down. It's yeah. like a roller coaster. I mean, the only thing with the Royals is that even I even think back to when they won the World Series, and I still question that in my mind because it doesn't make sense in my brain. But <laughs> like they won despite having. Like, you want to talk about it, winning in spite of your manager. Like, the Royals with Ned Yost was like the poster child of how to win in spite of your manager. And nothing about their winning made sense, but they did it continuously. And that's, that's the only reason why I bring it up, because I'm just getting that same feeling in the back of my mind being like, yeah, I've seen this movie before, and, like, the Royals just keep winning, even though it doesn't make sense for them to. And I don't know if this is going to be a year for them to do that or not. I don't think it will, and I hope it isn't. Yeah, I mean, it would just be Same. frustrating as hell. Like, <laughs> like all, the, all the energy that Sox fans spent on, like, the Twins and Cleveland and... Nope, here come the Royals, just, like, <laughs> fucking everything up. Yeah. Well, and then I saw Patrick Mahomes tweeting about Kopech, and I was like, Kopech, yep. get out of here! <laughs> Keep your paws off him. <laughs> don't bring that, don't come over here with your football team, <laughs> your baseball team. <laughs> And touch our boys. That sounds creepy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> Don't I touch like, our. Where boy. are we going with this? <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch my little blonde boy, Kopech. Now, Tommy, He's had enough. If I can hop in here, we got some very recent from the NFL draft. Our guy from Illinois, Kendrick Green, just got picked by the Steelers. Did he finally, nice. That's a good place for him. The 87th pick overall in the third round. That makes me happy. You guys should talk about. We can switch from baseball to talking about Justin Fields. Oh, that was I'm a, just. I'm just so excited. <laughs> no, it is exciting. I mean, I don't. I'm not even a Bears fan, and I was 
I mean, quite frankly, I was like, look, the, the Bears drafted. A... Well, I didn't know he was black, actually. I asked my husband because I saw everybody freaking out. And I was like, because I don't pay attention to college football anymore. And I was like, why is everybody freaking out about another like quarterback? And then I, I asked my husband, like, oh, is he black? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Like, that's a what a miracle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, amazing. <laughs> amazing work by the Bears. <laughs> I'm sure it was painful for them, but amazing. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, Tommy, what did you think? You didn't, I kind of asked you about it last night, but you didn't really. No, I just, I'm, I'm still in shock. And I, I think it was telling that um, Matt Nagy at Fields' Pro Day was like in his ear, like the entire time, just talking to him about plays and philosophy and, and all of that. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it at the time. So I'm like, all right, you, the Bears have like eight bad quarterbacks. And <laughs> I don't see fields like falling low enough where that would ever be a possibility. So I just kind of thought, oh, that's nice that he's mentoring him and, and whatever. Um, but then it was just like as the draft started taking shape, I was like, oh, my gosh, one of these guys could fall to him. But my fear was really just that Mac Jones is going to get drafted by the Bears, which, like, Aaron, I don't know how you feel about him, but I'm just like, there's nothing about him that seems like a pro quarterback. Like, he just looks like he essentially rolled up to Alabama, and <laughs> Nick Saban's like, sure, kid, go for it. And, yeah, if I had all of that talent to throw to, I would have Gowdy numbers, too. But... <laughs> But he's not necessarily somebody that's going to, you know, flourish in the NFLs. But I thought that's who Pace was going to want. And so I was very happy that Nagy apparently vouched for Fields and said, this is the guy that I want. And not only that, but then even today, traded up again to get some actual protection for him because the Bears have always struggled with offensive line since Kyle Long has been hurt. And it's like just really weird to go through a draft where I haven't been actively questioning everything that the Bears are doing. And I don't know how to process that. So that's why I didn't really have an answer for you because this is all new for me where it's like, oh, like, Things are happening the way they're supposed to. I don't understand why that is. Now, yes, you could bring up the fact that the Bears are still paying Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. And, you know, there's $13 million wasted there. And they gave up Kyle Fuller because they wanted to keep one of them around and all of that madness. But just for a day, they did the right thing. And that's impressive. I've been very happy with the draft and just those first two picks. And you have two guys, more so for me, my faith is in fields, but you have two guys who you pick later than they were projected to be, and they yep. could both be the best at their position in the draft. And you saw with fields, the difference between him and all the other quarterbacks that have been drafted from Ohio State was you saw with him this year, he was first in uh, percentage of passing yards from the air. So he's throwing it downfield. He's not letting his receivers pick up the yards for him, more so you could say with a guy like Mac Jones who has 
Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith there for him. Right. He's he's using his arm to get the yards. And Tevin Jenkins, a guy who was part of the great success that Chuba Hubbard had there at Oklahoma State, who and you even saw the quote where can't say it on here, but he seems like he just wants to really get after and is ready to go right away into a starting role. And having those two guys, hopefully Fields gets in there earlier in the season to get some starts because I think he's the real deal. Yeah, I, I think he will. Because, um, I mean, if you have your head, uh, head coach kind of pushing for something like that and – I, I don't think I've ever heard Matt Nagy that vocal in support of any of the other quarterbacks that the Bears have had. I, I think he'll probably end up starting pretty soon. How do you feel about your Titans? Go Titans. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have Derrick Henry, so... Oh. I, uh, I actually... So, as I mentioned, I don't follow... I don't follow college football at all anymore. I'm not attached to any teams at all. So I'm very out of the loop on that. So I saw we got somebody and I have no idea who he is. <laughs> I have no idea. Like I liked it on Twitter, but I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, ever since Marcus Mariota, all of that happened, I'm like, eh, it is what it is. We're not terrible. We're do- we've been doing pretty good for the Titans the past few years. So I'm like, I... I'm not going to ask questions, and then I'm still deciding what I want to do with my Saints fandom. So, yeah. He got Jabu with his eating the W and all that stuff. No. Get excited. No. And the I other quarterback not. that can't throw but runs. Taysom. <laughs> our, our miracle Mormon. Between the two of them, you have a complete quarterback. He just like stitching together. <laughs> Can we put into it one time? Can you guys change the football rules? Just kidding. Um, what about I used Aaron to have Aaron? partial. I used to have partial Saints fandom because I got to see Justin Hardy out there killing it on special teams, and now he's with the Jets, so I don't really care about the Saints anymore. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know that I do either. So all of the players I was attached to—that's my problem. And I'm going to have to learn to do that with baseball is still being a fan of the team when all of my favorite players have left. So I'm working on that. I think it's easier to do in baseball than it is in other sports. So, Okay. That's good to know. I'm preparing for my first large heartbreak whenever that, I know it'll arrive one day, but I don't know who it'll be. So yeah. Really You're speculating. I've been thinking about as far as players that I like on other teams especially for Illinois where you don't have a lot of them compared to those Alabama. I want to try to get more jerseys of players that are in the NFL and doing, I was going to try to get a Nick Allegretti one cause he was starting in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, And that's the one I asked around cause I didn't want to make it seem like, Oh, you're a chiefs fan. Oh, I'm cheering for the name on the back. This, this is a specific I'm guy. For, I'm cheering for the name on the back. I'm not cheering for the name on the front. I think that's fine. Now, Kendrick Green out there, we can get him. And then for the NBA, too, I'm sure we'll get Io, hopefully, in the first round. Yep. Wherever he goes to. That would be awesome. I I really think it's going to happen. Just throwing it out there. They need a point guard. Favorite teams. What? Did you ask me a question? Did Mm -hmm. I? 
I thought, I don't know, you guys both said something at the same time, and then it got quiet. Oh, I just thought they need a point guard. Oh. And then Darren said both of his favorite teams. Yeah, oh. playing for Illinois and then for the Bulls. That'd be I'm, cool. I'm on my island here where I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can cool just start game. yelling out words. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my team, my school was like recovering from Hurricane Katrina and all the sports were messed up. <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> we went to March Madness one time in the past like 14 years or whatever, however long it's been. I don't even know. Has it been that long? That's when I started college. 14 years ago? 15 years ago? Oh, no. 13. Do I don't know. how horrified Darren is like hearing this? He's like, Just oh wait. my god, you're so old. <laughs> Just wait. I finished college 11 years ago. That's not that long. Either. 20... Tommy, yeah, 2011. 2010, sorry. Tommy, how old were you, or how long ago did you finish college? Just a few years before you. There's not that much of an age gap. Yeah, sure. Old man. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was kind of funny when you said that thing yesterday. It was like, I'm, I'm old enough to be your mom. It's like, are you talking about like, normal? Or are you talking about... <laughs> no, it would have been a weird situation. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't have been a good situation. Like, not a socially acceptable situation. But when you were like... I don't know why I always... I think because most people on in White Sox Twitter they're not all of them but a lot of them are older so I think in my mind I kind of just like average ages so even though I knew you were younger and I knew you're in college still in my mind you were like still like early 20s and so when you were like oh I'm no longer a teenager I that was a moment for me that I was like holy shit <laughs> I'm old <laughs> and yeah thanks thanks I've for that quite a bit through Twitter and work. I used to go out to work where people like, oh, I thought you were 23, 24. It's like, I think yeah. that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Yeah. A compliment. For the way I see it is I look like I'm 12 because I can't grow facial hair worth of anything. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's a testament to my maturity, I guess. So I'll take, I'll take that as a compliment when people, I thought you were older. Yeah. I'd say yeah, so. That's a good thing. Yeah. Congratulations. You're you're an old in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Join us. Join us in, in old spirit them. <laughs> now I'm three hundred and sixty-four days from being able to do some one oh eighty. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's and exciting. That will be a massive party. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully there's a White Sox home game that day. So that'd be a fun way to do that. Just yeah. take over Goose Island. Are you, um, either of you, are you going to try to go to any games for the rest of the season? Slash how many, or are there any particularly you want to see? I will be going, I'll try to go to quite a few this summer. Flying. Or driving, maybe. I'll road trip it in. Nice. What about you, Darren? I've been talking to my parents. I've been trying to... I think in the summer it'll be easier just with, you know, no school. So I won't really have anything going on. And 
I know my dad and I actually, I wouldn't want to get one with him, but I've been talking to my mom just because I know the people from the 108 now, as opposed to the last few years. Like, hey, there's these people from Twitter, but now they know me a lot better. Yeah. And, <laughs> so I know uh, Mrs. Beef Loaf Kirsten Ramos talks to my mom quite a bit on Facebook and Twitter. So I think it'd be fun to have her up there for a game and talk to the folks there. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, your mom seems awesome. Yeah, it's she nice is. to kind of see her around. It's always cute when people's family, like at large, is on. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> super cute. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm going to a game tomorrow, and I believe our um, our Iowa counterparts are coming in, so that's gonna be interesting. I've never met those guys in person. Um, so Iowa White Sox, Ryan and uh, Jason, never met him. And I'm excited to hear him yell in his accent at Liam, if Liam plays. Um, and Iowa Zach. So that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to go to one like every, at least every two weeks. There's no excuse not to, but I like my naps. So <laughs> as Tommy sometimes, knows. <laughs> sometimes the nap weighs out. <laughs> Man, how, well... how, far of a, how far of a drive would it be for you? Um, It's about a 10 hour drive. Oh, I didn't know you're that far away. Yep. So, um, but I was planning on coming up over the summer anyway. Um, but I would definitely like to um, try to make it to at least a, a handful of, of Sox games. And then um, since, because I'm over in uh, South Carolina, so I'll be going to uh, at least a uh, few Charlotte games this year, too which I'm excited for because I've always wanted to go to that ballpark. It's supposed to be one of the most beautiful ballparks in the, in the country. Awesome. That's exciting. So is there any buzz in South Carolina about Trevor Lawrence getting picked number one? Of course. It <laughs> happen, but like everybody is from South Carolina, Georgia, or Florida, or Alabama. And it's just like, that's all it is. And I'm just like, how it doesn't seem like it should be possible that every professional football player <laughs> is just like from this SEC. You know, it's just like, how is that? How does that happen? But because it's the best. Sorry. Stop. I'm, bi I'm biased. Stop. <laughs> All right, well, we're ending this episode before <laughs> Keelan says Roll Tide or some shit like that. I will that. never say that. <laughs> I will never. Actually, I would, just to piss everybody off. Yeah, you but... would. I know. You've done it before. <laughs> I'm an alumni. I can say Roll Tide. Sort of. Uh-huh. Do grad school degrees count? I don't know. <laughs> I went to a game. It was cool. Did you? I went to one Alabama game, I think, when I was in grad school there. Okay. I went to tailgates. So that was fun. That was more my speed. But yeah, at the games, I was like, I don't really care about this. So it's a huge stadium. That part was the crazy. It's so huge. I so we've talked about this before, but my brother played college football at Georgia and I grew up going there the most. And I went to Auburn a few times, too. And they're both big and like fun, great, like to party at, well, I was a child, but <laughs> like the vibe is good. Mm -hmm. But Alabama was so freaking weird. It was like, I feel like I'm in some kind of Greek, like Coliseum. 
it's it was insane so that part was interesting but i'm okay with never going back yeah the big house is similar in michigan where it's just like you you have entered a large greek coliseum and it's like i i don't know how all these people can be in one place safely during a game but here we are yeah especially now well now that'll, that'll be yeah yeah but that'll be interesting too like once we get back to something like that did they so i feel like i read this but i do not know um they're like stadiums here like socks and the cubs they're not going to be at capacity for the whole season is that true have you guys seen that i no. saw that floating around somewhere and i was like really that so, actually surprises me since they well, and just, i don't know like i don't know where that came from so be, but lightfoot I saw just it, opened up navy pier the united center is at 25 percent capacity now and she also said that uh summer festivals are on the um, are on the table for the this year so that made me think that if nothing else they would probably increase the capacity if not to full most of the way there by maybe june or july yeah i that's kind of the trajectory i anticipated too like slowly opening it but yeah i think i crystal may have said something about it um but yeah i was like oh i don't i haven't even thought really I just assumed it, as people, more and more people got vaccinated, they'd open up more. But yep, yeah. I saw they made it quarter capacity for the rest of the United Center games this year, which was probably two or three. But I figure with the Sox and Cubs being outdoor, they would probably bump it up more than they would for the Blackhawks and the Bulls. So I guess we'll just have to see once they keep putting the vaccines in. Yeah. Well, Darren, I was curious. I wanted to ask you, um, I know you're still in college, and as we've talked about, you've turned 20 now. So what are you kind of looking to do professionally? Or you're, I know what you're are doing you a lot do of writing. you going to do with the rest of your life, well, Darren? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, but I know you're interested in, like, sports journalism. I know you're, you've joined Southside Sox. I know you do stuff with 108, and you've been writing there a lot. So I was just kind of curious, like, is that something – you're looking to do more or, you know. And the biggest yeah. the biggest goal would be be a guy like Jason Benetti, Joe Buck, you know, Jim Nance, do that play-by-play -play for a network. And I'd love to be able to do multiple sports. And obviously that's a very, you know, closed role and a lot of people won't get it. So I've been trying to do a lot of things within sports media just because it's such a broad industry with a lot of people that are in it so whatever path i land on if someone wants to offer me you know through writing or announcing or doing pa or whatever then wherever i land would be great but the big role would be doing play-by-play -play, which i've gotten to do quite a bit this year for btn plus doing the student broadcast a lot of softball recently a lot of tennis a lot of soccer i've done wrestling too so once i get two more years of that i think that'll be fun yeah that's exciting that's a pretty big deal i've been thinking about asking too about doing public address i mean i know this year it would be just so tough because pretty much every game i'd be working so but hopefully next year when they don't have every sport going at the same exact time 
it'll be a little bit easier to schedule that out. Awesome. Super exciting. Well, hopefully, yeah, there will be more and more opportunities. It sounds like you got your foot in the door really early and that's always super helpful. So cool. Well, that concludes episode eight of the Killer Bees podcast. Once again, Darren, thank you so much for joining us over your birthday weekend. And hopefully you continue to enjoy yourself. And thank you, Keelan, as always. And we will see you all very soon.